and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say, Why then do you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people. For all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. And they answered and said unto Jesus, We cannot tell. And Jesus answering said unto them, Neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Wow, right? That's a very defining moment uh, in Scripture. Uh, I want to point out, I want you to notice that the word authority was used four times in this brief passage. So tonight the title is By What Authority? Because obviously this is what's being questioned here in this passage. Tonight we're continuing on uh, in Tuesday of the week, of the Passion Week. Um, That is the week leading up to the crucifixion. All that he's done the past three years throughout his earthly ministry is about to reach its climax. Uh, Some would say, well, wasn't the climax when he turned water into wine? Uh, Wasn't it when he healed the leper? Wasn't it when he cast out demons or raised the dead back to life again? But the answer would be no. Why? Because he came for one reason and one reason alone, and that was to go to Calvary's cross. That was always his mission from the time that he came to earth as a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. He came to die on Calvary's cross once and for all, fulfilling the law, paying the debt that we could never pay, atoning for all of our sins, both past, present, and future. No amount of animal blood could do that, but with one drop, With one drop of the blood of Jesus, all of that was accomplished. All of that was fulfilled. It was all done for you and for me. What a wonderful Savior we serve tonight. Amen. The God of all creation bankrupt heaven so that you and I might live eternally with Christ Jesus. What a wonderful Savior that we serve. So Jesus is... Here, returning to the temple for the third day. This is uh, his third time to the temple. And you would think that the temple would be a place where Jesus would be made to feel at home, right? But sadly, that was not the case. Rather than being welcomed and recognized as the Christ, he was met immediately with confrontation by the religious elite. It saddens my heart to say this, but not much has changed in over 2,000 years. Most of a believer's biggest resistance, biggest problems, backlash, hurtful happenings, sadly take place in the church by church people. And I say church people rather than Christians because church people will hurt other believers and not bat an eye. It happens. But a Christian, yes, we offend one another from time to time, unknowingly at times. But if we are made aware of it and the Holy Spirit convicts us of it, we will go to that one and make amends. Just as I spoke on last week, we will go and ask for forgiveness. Even if we don't fully understand what we have done, how we have wronged one, but a true follower of Jesus Christ 
If they hurt someone, the Holy Spirit will convict them and they will do something about it. If not, you're just a churchgoer. You're just a religious person. And those are the ones that will hear on that day, depart from me, for I never knew you. Always at church, always doing the, the right things in man's eyes, but being far from the Lord. They, they say the right things. They have lip service, but the word says their hearts are far from God. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, most of us have probably experienced church hurt at times. And that is the worst hurt that you can ever experience. Why? Because church should be a safe place. It should be a place where we're instantly met with love, where we're accepted, where we're brought in, where we're just, I don't know, you, you know what it's like. You just feel like you're at home. You just feel like you're a part of a family. And that's my prayer for this body. And I know there are going to be times when, when we offend one another. But let us be quick to forgive. Let us be quick to forgive one another, right? Um, so why was this going on? Uh, church people, just as the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, they have the mindset, uh, it's my way or the highway, right? Uh, they don't like change. They don't like to be confronted, things of that nature. Why? Because they thrive on authority. That's what they thrive on, just as the Sanhedrin of this time did. Their power was enormous, and they functioned kind of as the go-between with the Romans and the people of Israel. They were super sensitive to do anything that could threaten their authority, and Jesus was clearly a threat, right? The question of authority is an important one. The truth of the matter is we all have a source of authority uh, in our lives, someone or something that guides us and drives us, something that rules. If you're a kid, it's your parents. If you are married, it's your wife. <laughs> I'm saying that tonight because Jason's not here to amen it. <laughs> but, uh, but most of the time, if we're honest, it's us. It's ourselves. We're the ones that want to be in control. We rule. We like to be in charge, and, and we like our own way, and um, we're not the least bit interested in submitting or surrendering to anyone else's authority. Self is always the problem. It's never God. It's never anybody else. It's self. Self is always the problem. Uh, Keith Babin, he puts it this way, and I like this. He talks about people who have issues with authority, but you realize, uh, well, nobody can tell me to do anything, but when you go to a restaurant, you order from a menu, right? So let's say I'm going to uh, Midtown. So I go to Midtown, and I sit down, and I have this menu, and it tells me what I can order. That's the authority, I can't say I want a quarter pounder with cheese. I, I, I can't order that. Why? Because it's not on the menu. It's not on the order of authority that I have to adhere by while I'm at that restaurant, right? So in our lives, there are all types of authorities. But the one that we should always submit to and surrender to 
is the Lord's authority in our life. Why? Because it's going to be for our profit. It's going to be for our good, for our benefit. Nothing that the Lord does is to harm us or to hurt us. As a believer, everything that happens in our life, the Lord either causes or he allows. Why? To bring us to a place of surrender, to bring us to a place of realizing he's all we need, um, any number of things, but it's all in an attempt to make us more like him and to bring him glory, to give him the glory that he deserves. So here in verse 27, I want to read that again. It says, and they there's a gnat in here. And they come again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there come to him the chief priest and the scribes and the elders. See, this was a concerted effort um, by many. They had pre-planned this. This was not something that just happened, right? The temple leadership apparently had committed to confront Jesus the next time he made his way into the temple. They had banded together, and they were all committed and on board to preventing any further influence by Jesus. Likely, these men would not have had the courage to confront the Lord individually, but they found courage in numbers. They wanted it to appear as if everybody agreed with their stance, with their position. And as I was studying and reading, the Holy Spirit dropped this in my heart. Cowards need a crowd, but courage stands alone. Cowards need a crowd, but courage stands alone. We see that being played out before our eyes all over the United States. These mobs, these protests, um, these riots that are taking place. Do you think it would be the way it is if it were just one person out here doing this? No. They, they incite uh, rage in people. They work people's emotions up and rally them together to come because they're cowards. That's it. They're cowards. So a courageous person doesn't need a whole group of people. They stand in the Lord. It doesn't matter if everybody else goes with you or not. You know in whom you have believed, and you will stand in the power of his might. We're not standing in ourselves, but we're standing in Christ Jesus. We've all heard the phrase that misery loves company. And unfortunately, the church is no exception. Uh, it's not immune to this mindset. Uh, there are those who are disgruntled or angry. Typically, they seek uh, to get other people joined in in their efforts. You know, sometimes they'll like to uh, say things like, uh, well, people are talking. They'll go to the person that they're upset with. People are talking. Or I've heard uh, several mention this to me, and most of the time, it's just them, but they like to make it seem like, uh, you know, this makes more credibility to their argument. And I want you to hear me tonight. The enemy will provide the means to rally the troops. He will do that. When he is determined to undermine a specific person or an area of ministry, he will do that. So if someone comes to you and starts speaking poison like that, shut it down. Shut it down. Don't allow it to go any further. And then encourage that person with the scripture. You know, if this is true and what you're telling me and this is really happening, we don't need to 
to tell anybody else about it. We need to take it to the Lord. And we need to trust that he will handle it because he does that. He handles things. He works things out behind the scenes. Remember when we talked a couple weeks ago, when you say, uh, speak to that mountain, be thou removed, and cast into the sea. Why does he cast it in the sea? So that it doesn't hurt anybody else. But see, people like to hurt other people. It somehow makes them feel validated and justified in their own hurt. But that's not the ways of the Lord. If someone has wronged you, you take it to the Lord. You ask for his wisdom and his leading and his guiding. You don't just start telling other people about how you've been wronged. Because that's bringing division. That's, that's stirring up strife. And that's wrong. Because it will destroy a church. It will destroy a church. Uh, I can't remember who it was I was talking to. Uh, we were talking about, for, it was Carl. The enemy can't do anything with forgiveness. When we are quick to forgive, that stops him in his tracks. When we continually remind ourselves of the great debt that we have been forgiven of, that there is not one person on this face of, the, of this face of the earth that we can't forgive. Not one person. Because look at who I was. Look at who you were. And if God can forgive me, and he can forgive you, then he can forgive anybody. Right? We have to always keep that in the forefront of our mind. Um, so we've got to be on guard. We've got to hold our tongue. And we must simply trust the Lord. About every situation. Uh, Jason and I have learned this uh, greatly over the past seven years. Being pastors of a church, we had, well, at most of the time, we had four sets of ears listening to everything we would talk about. And that's not good. Because I never wanted my children to get a bad taste in their mouth for the church. I never want to destroy anybody with my words. If I've got a problem, he can fix it. If you've got a problem, he can fix it. Take it to him and trust him. Verse 28. It says, And say unto him, By what authority does does thou do these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? See, the temple leadership wasted no time in laying out their concerns. And the issue they had with Jesus was authority. See, you've got to remember that they refused to embrace Jesus as the Christ from the get-go. They were literally asking him, who do you think you are? Who gave you the right to come in here and make any changes? By what authority are you doing these things? They refused to submit to the leadership and the lordship of Christ. It happens a lot when a church gets a new pastor, right? Uh, a new pastor will come into the church and maybe want to change. Lord knows y'all have dealt with, with it with us. They want to change the walls. They want to change the chairs. You name it, we've changed it. And y'all have been great. If you've had an issue with it, I don't know. I hadn't listened for it. I hadn't looked for it. I hadn't even asked. <laughs> you know, we've just done it. Because that's what we felt the Lord was calling us to do. Uh, we're never to put on Saul's armor, right? The Lord called us here to do what he's called us to do. And if we take down a picture that maybe your great-granddad painted or something, it's not to hurt you. 
But the Lord's called us here to be the shepherd of this flock, to make it our own, to make it his the way he's laid it on our hearts. So it happens a lot. See, this issue's not changed, and I doubt it ever will. And this seems to be the tactic of the enemy always. Uh, the overwhelming majority of issues within the church or any organization for that matter boils down to who is in charge, right? Most issues are a struggle over authority. And this is detrimental, especially in the church. I'll admit that there have been leaders that have been guilty of um, abusing their position and taking advantage of people, and the Lord will deal with them. But the Lord has established leadership within the church. And as long as they are leading according to the word of Almighty God, seeking to edify the Lord, the church should be willing to support the leadership. And I'll back that up with scripture, Hebrews 13 and 7. It says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 13. Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy, and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And I've told you the story before. We were at the beach a couple years ago, and we saw these little fish come in like to a sandbar. And I was doing all I could do to protect them and keep them in the water, keep them from dying, making a way back into the ocean. And they wouldn't go the way, the safe way. They would just rather stay there and die, I guess. And I thought, gosh, that's a lot like pastoring. You try to do everything you can do. This is the way you need to go. And they're like, no, we want to go our own way, right? You've seen the, the thing on Facebook of the shepherd and the sheep, and they come and knock the shepherd down over and over and over again. And sometimes it feels like that. But that's how you know you're called to pastor. Why? Because you get back up. And you do it again. And it, it's so helpful. It's such an encouragement to have sheep that listen at times, that submit, <laughs> that realize we have to give an account for your soul. And everything we do, we, we do our best to keep that in mind. Every decision that we make, it's not one that we make lightly. And 2020 has definitely brought that to the surface more than ever before. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us direction on how to shepherd your people in the midst of a pandemic. Yes, I did say pandemic. Nevertheless, it's had its challenges. It's had its, its ups and downs, more downs than ups. But God is faithful, and he's given us the wisdom, and he's given us good sheep. And I'm so thankful for that. But the word of God is true, and, and, and above everything else, we have to submit our lives to the Lord. We have to submit our lives to his word and not go our own way just for the sake of going our own way. Well, I want to find myself. I want to be my own person. You're not being your own person if you're doing it your way. You're being your dad's person. You're being your granddad's person. You're being who they were. It's only when you're hidden in Christ Jesus that you truly find yourself. And you're unique. And you're different. 
and you're set apart. If you go your own way, you're just like everybody else. That's the truth, and I'll stop there. Unfortunately, many churches and ministries face situations similar to what we find in this text. The will of man often supersedes the will and the word of God. How do we know that it's still happening? Because we have denominations having meetings, having uh, conventions over whether they should legalize things that the word of God has clearly called sin and abominations. But yet they would rather go with man's way rather than the will and the word of God. It still happens today. Our world is also filled with those like the religious elite in that day that demand to know who Jesus thinks he is. They refuse to submit to his authority, denying that he is the sole means of salvation. Why? Because they're more committed to the pleasure of the flesh than to submitting to the lordship of Christ and depending solely upon him for salvation. Oprah Winfrey being the one that popped in my mind first and foremost. She is a forerunner for this, that there are multiple ways to God. She actually said this when she was promoting her new television series called Belief. There are multiple ways to God, but I'm sorry, Oprah and Oprah fans, but John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. Verses 29 through 30, we find the response to uh, this question, the question of authority. It says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will also ask of you one question, and answer me. And I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. He is very concise, very uh, straight to the point. And I love this text. I love this because it is a, an example for us on how we are to deal with situations just like this. Situations that you will encounter. You see, Jesus quickly turned the tables on them. He refused to engage in a debate with these men. They had no desire to learn of him or to receive him as their savior. Jesus knew the hardness of their hearts and the real motivation behind their actions. Rather than answering their question, he challenged them with another question. See, this was a method that rabbis often used. They wouldn't answer a question, but the question would be found in the asking of another question. If they would answer it truthfully and honestly. See, Jesus knew that these men had rejected John, John the Baptist, just as they rejected him. But they were uh, a little apprehensive about admitting it. John had come as the forerunner of Jesus, preparing the way for his ministry. He had preached the message of repentance and the coming of the kingdom. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Those words are still being echoed today. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He had revealed the time of Christ and the gospel of salvation had come. And if John had received authority to baptize from heaven, then clearly... Jesus had received his authority from heaven as well. See, John came to, the, uh, came to point men to Christ, and he had preached of the very one that they now despised. 
Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17 says, Then comes Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You see, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they knew this. Many of them witnessed this. They knew that Jesus was the Messiah, for the heavens opened up. They knew. So when Jesus asked that question, oh, that was like, cut the jugular. <laughs> I mean, that was it. He knew, and they knew. They knew the truth, right? See, those who genuinely seek to serve the Lord and are opposed by others need to maintain a proper perspective, they say. Whether the opposition realizes it or not, they're actually uh, not challenging your authority, but they're challenging the authority of the Lord himself. Do you realize how dangerous that is to challenge the authority of the Lord himself? And I don't know of a true servant of the Lord who operates under his or her own authority. Those who receive the word receive Christ, and those who reject the word reject Christ. There's no in-between. See, when we doubt the authority of the word, we forfeit the blessing that the word could be in our lives. Because that's what this word is. It is a blessing in the life of the believer. It's everything. It's everything to us. And maybe tonight you can say, well, I just can't get into reading the word. Then you need to ask the Lord. And he will stir that up in you. He will give you that desire when you realize that this is Jesus. This is him. And he wants to speak to you each and every day. This word will become life to you. It will become your lifeline. You can't, you'll realize you can't make it without him. You can't make it without this word. That's what it is. It's a blessing in our lives. Verses 31 through 32, and they reasoned within themselves saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say, why then uh, did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, right there, they feared man. For all men counted John that he was a prophet indeed. See, Jesus knew the condition of their hearts and motivation behind their actions. They were not concerned with the ways of God or pleasing the Lord. They just wanted to keep control over the temple and those who came to worship. Jesus asked a question they couldn't answer in public. If they had answered the question, they would have appeared in opposition to the Lord and his plan for humanity. If they admitted John was a prophet sent from the Lord, they would have no excuse for their denial 
of his ministry. If they claimed that he wasn't sent from God, they would have angered the people and lost their influence. When confronted by the living word, guess what? They were speechless. They were speechless, and the word will do just that. We say it often, the Lord will change you, it will challenge you, but most oftentimes it will offend you at first. And have you been offended lately by the word? And if you can't think of a time that, that you've been offended, then you haven't been in it enough. Because the word will check you. It will cause you to realize, I am nothing. It will sand off those rough edges that have built up because life happens. But the word will do that. It will perfect us. It will make us more like him. See, this reaction remains in our day as well. When people are confronted with the word of God, they typically become very quiet or very angry. Right? Because they know down deep in their hearts they can't argue with the word of God. They know that their lives don't line up with the word, but they refuse to acknowledge where they went wrong. Many choose to remain in open rebellion rather than to submit to the authority of the Lord and his word. See, he is the only authority worth submitting to. Truth is, people would rather keep their position and live a lie than submit to Christ and walk in truth. Just to maintain their position. Oh, that's politics, right? <laughs> they would rather keep their position and live a lie rather than submit to Christ and walk in truth. My prayer is that that would not be so of us. That whatever positions we found ourselves in, if God didn't put us there, if he didn't lead us there, ordain us to be there, then we need to get real with ourselves and get real before the Lord. Lord, is this truly where you would have me to be? Are these truly the people you would have me to be associating with, hanging out with? I mean, every aspect of our life should be ordained of the Lord. He has a path. He's ordered our footsteps, but it's up to us to walk in it, to follow that path. I would rather be in truth all day long than living a lie and being miserable and hating myself because I know deep down inside of me it's wrong. It's not worth it. Eternity is a long time. A long time to be wrong when just with one utterance, forgive me, Lord, all things can be made right. All things can be made right. Then in verse 33, and I'm trying to hurry and close, it says, and they answered and said unto Jesus, we cannot tell. I can just hear the curtness in their voice. We cannot tell. Right? And Jesus answering said unto them, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. If that's not a mic drop scripture, I don't know what is. Now, in our flesh, I call it a mic drop because it just felt good. But it broke his heart. It broke his heart. And it should break ours too. When there are those that over 
and over and over again. Reject truth. Reject the Lord. Jesus went back three times. For three days, he went back to the temple. And if he can go back to people that he knew hated him, were plotting to kill him and destroy him, then what's our problem with going back to people? It's it's not hurting us any. I just want one more time. Just ask. Would you like to give your heart to the Lord? And if they say no, it's on them. It's not on you. But never get to that point to where you just stop. Somebody kept praying for you. Somebody kept praying for me. And at the Lord's appointed time, they will respond. They will answer or they won't. But see, God is so good that he will bring each and every human being on the planet, on the face of this earth, to that fork in the road where they will have an opportunity to accept once and for all or reject. Well, how can you say that? Because I believe his word. If he sent his son to die on a cross for all of humanity, don't you think he would go to the greatest lengths to ask them one more time, will you accept or will you reject? And for a long time, that I couldn't figure that out in my mind. But I just trust the Lord. I trust him. I trust him with my family, with my friends, with people that I meet, people that I've witnessed to. Lord, I know there's going to be a defining moment in their life where you're going to call one more time. You're going to extend that invitation one more time. That's where we have to use discernment. We have to use wisdom. Asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us each and every day. Everyone that crosses our path, Lord, if there be that one that you're drawing their heart, Lord, just quicken my spirit, Lord, and let me say what you would have me to say. Each and every day, that's what the Lord desires. Tonight, you may be in this house. You may be watching. And this is your moment. This is your defining moment that the Lord has brought you to. Are you going to accept or are you going to reject? Are you going to once and for all stop worrying about what the people have to say like the Sanhedrin did? They were afraid they were going to lose their status with the people. And are you going to be concerned with the one and only person who matters? And that's the Lord. What he thinks, what he knows about you. It's not by chance, it's not by coincidence that you're here or that you're viewing online, but this is your defining moment. And you can accept or you can reject, and I'm not just talking about salvation. I'm talking about any area of your life. Maybe the Lord has told you something, he's spoken to you, and it hasn't come to pass, and you're getting weary. Hold on. Are you going to believe what he said or not? Choose to believe. Choose to believe. So tonight as we stand in this house, I'm simply going to ask you to respond. I know we've already had one altar call, and that was great, but he has more. 
He has more for us. And tonight, if you're believing for a, a lost child, a lost family member, whoever it may be, tonight, you come and you intercede and you go before the Lord one more time. You ask him again. Because tonight could be that night. And when the Lord is moving and he's here, we should never just walk out. Just, oh, whatever. No, he's here. And he wants to move on, on your behalf. So tonight as the music plays, I'm just going to ask you to respond, to come forward, and we'll pray with you. Go ahead, Vanessa.
we simply say amen, Lord, to each and every need, every request, Lord, every, Lord, every person that we're standing in the gap for, Lord. We know, Lord, that you are able. And, Lord, tonight we just continue, Lord, to believe for the impossible, Lord, for those things that have started, those things that have taken place, Lord. We know that when we walk out those doors, the enemy is going to come at us, Lord. But, God, let us be reminded that greater is he who is in us than he that's in this world, and that what you've done in this house tonight, Lord, the enemy cannot take away. He cannot stop. He cannot have it, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we have the honor, the privilege to plead your precious blood over our families, over our loved ones, Lord. Lord, let us never take that for granted, but let us continue to stand in the gap and to call those names, Lord, until that day that they say yes to you, Lord. We won't stop. We won't quit. We thank you for the authority that we have in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here tonight. I pray that you bless them and keep them safe as they go their separate ways and bring us all back together on Sunday. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Love you guys, and we will see you.